Huge show today. We're going to talk all about the FBI falling flat on their faces in that case in Michigan regarding the governor of Michigan, this false kidnapping plot. We're also going to talk about me getting locked out temporarily from Twitter for calling Disney a bunch of groomers. But before we do, I want to tell you some stuff that's going on with Turning Point USA. Big things. Number one, Young Women's Leadership Summit is coming up June 2nd to 4th, Dallas, Texas. How to get your tickets? TPUSA.com slash YWLS. Next, the Socialism Sucks series season two, episode two is out. And guess what? It's all about China. You got yours truly in it, breaking down the One Belt, One Road initiative. So go to TPUSA.com, go to Socialism Sucks, and watch season two, episode two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Top story tonight, a jury has found Michigan militia members not guilty after an FBI entrapment operation. We'll break it down next. Trapped in COVID-19 terror lockdowns, Shanghai civilians have begun to fight back against the CCP. Third, new release from Project Veritas, Hillary Clinton denies knowing a Dem operative linked to inciting violence at Trump rallies on behalf of the Clinton campaign. And finally, Posobiec, that's me, was temporarily locked out of Twitter after calling Disney groomers. We'll break it all down. All this more ahead, Human Events Daily. We're grateful to the FBI and law enforcement to discover these domestic terrorists and stop them. And make no mistake, that's who they are, domestic terrorists, flat terrorists. Planning to blow up a bridge on American soil to threaten the lives of police officers, to kidnap an elected leader. And now we're finding out the same thing was happening in Virginia. You know, it's the sort of behavior you might expect from ISIS. And it shouldn't shock the conscience of every American every American. And the failure to condemn these folks is stunning. Out of Michigan, a major, major story that drives directly to the credibility of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Julie Kelly at American Greatness has the story. In a huge defeat for the U.S. Department of Justice, a jury today acquitted two men accused of conspiring to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer in the fall of 2020. You remember that kidnapping plot? We were all told, right? That was the major story on the left in October of 2020. It's the only thing they were talking about. Look, I've got some friends, some family members, you know, people I grew up with that are on the left, that are on the other side, that I still talk to. And they were all sending me this Michigan militia plot. They were like, this is you, this is you guys, this is what all the you know, conservatives, this is what you all stand for. It turns out that a jury just found the two ringleaders of this thing, the conspiracy to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, not guilty. They were acquitted because it turns out the entire thing was an FBI entrapment operation. This thing was put on and we've gone through chapter and verse of how this operation was run. We have the text messages of them talking to their informants about how they were going to do it, about how they wanted to entrap as many people as possible because they wanted bigger headlines. And you can see them trying to ramp this up right before the election of 2020. Why would the FBI be doing something like that? I don't know. That's very strange. And why was it that's a special, that the special agent in charge of the Detroit field office later 
was transferred to the Washington field office just before the events of January 6th. Just questions, just questions. The verdicts were announced at the Gerald R. Ford Federal Building in Grand Rapids after more than four days of deliberations. Jurors heard 13 days of testimony in a case the government considered one of the biggest domestic terrorism investigations ever. Daniel Harris and Brandon Caserta of Michigan were found not guilty, exonerated, of conspiring to unlawfully seize, confine, conduct, abduct, and carry away and hold for ransom or reward or otherwise the governor of the state of Michigan. Jurors could not reach unanimous decision for Adam Fox and Barry Croft, two other members, resulting in a mistrial. Harris was also found not guilty of conspiring to use weapons of mass destruction for allegedly attempting to build an explosive device to use in the abduction scheme and other firearms charges. Let, let me break down what's going on here. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, a federal agent's, especially, by the way, an FBI agent's testimony at a trial was considered the gold standard. It was the number one. And if you were running a case like this and you had FBI all over it, profilers, crime scene investigators, forensics, the techs, all the whole nine yards, it was a done deal. It was locked because juries trusted the FBI. But after the events of the last six years, people have begun in this country to look at the FBI under a different light. And now they're not the gold standard. Now they're the gutter standard. Because when you put them all up there and you look at the evidence, the jury sat and listened to every single one of these FBI experts who testified at length for over two weeks in this trial. And at the end of it, they said, no, we ain't buying it. You lied. You set up these guys. You wanted them to take the fall. You entrapped them. This wouldn't have existed had the FBI not set up this operation. And by the way, the FBI was doing this to young Muslims and immigrants all throughout the war on terror here in the United States. They were overlooking actual plots and actual radicals while they were entrapping people. Why? Because they wanted to meet quotas, because they wanted headlines, because they wanted to look big, they wanted to get funding. And back then the funding was all in radical uh, Islamic terrorism. Now it's domestic terrorism. So mark my words, you're going to see more of this and there's going to be a backlash. I think after the events of last week, we really found that if we want to change this nation, we have to change the way the marketplace works. Woke corporations are seeking to divide us. Big banks are freezing the accounts of people who disagree with their political views. And our supply chain is dependent on countries like China that actively work against our values. It's time for change. And that change starts with you and your wallet. That's why I'm proud to partner with Public Square. Public Square is the largest directory of freedom-loving businesses that our nation has ever seen. Public Square is the first app that connects you with freedom-loving Americans and their local community and businesses that share their values. So if you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms or a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates or a bank that will not cancel you, Public Square is your guide. It's so easy to get. You go to Apple App Store or Google Play, download the Public Square app right now, create your free account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can find you today. Stop giving money to people who hate you. Download the app today, Public Square. That is Public Square. Go to Public Square on the Apple App Store or Google Play.
Please comply with COVID restrictions. Control your soul's desire for freedom. Do not open the window or sing. The terror lockdowns of Shanghai are continuing. 26 million people live within the confines of the city of Shanghai. They are being put on lockdown. Many of them are starving. You got people freaking out. They're dragging you into the street, forcing you to kneel down to take a test for COVID. If you don't take the test, you get hauled off. If you test positive, you get sent to a quarantine center where you're placed en masse with everyone who's also positive, And then you have to stay there in these open air, open bay centers until you test negative. Explain how that makes any sense, by the way. Doesn't make any sense. Because obviously people there are just giving it to each other. Or if you had someone who was a false positive, they're definitely going to be positive. You put them in with other infected people. That's 26 million people. The lockdowns now in China, the CCP is spreading them to 23 different cities in mainland China partial and full lockdowns. That's up to 193 million people that are being placed under these conditions. And you got people who aren't eating. You've got people in Shanghai now every single day. Be very careful, by the way, I'll tell you right now. If you go onto the internet, if you go, whatever your social media choice is, Twitter, Getter, Instagram, et cetera, you type in the word Shanghai and you see the videos that pop up, you will see some horrific and brutal stuff, so I just want you to be warned. I want you to be very careful what's happening. People jumping off of buildings, committing suicide, rounding up neighborhood pets, cats, and dogs, and killing them in the street. That's what CCP medical officials are doing. And over the weekend in Shanghai, they sent more troops from the People's Liberation Army into the city. You got the videos of the trucks rolling in, the uniforms, Then they're suited up in the biohazard suits, walking around carrying assault rifles. And this is Shanghai. This is China's most populous, wealthiest city. So why is China doing this? A lot of people are asking, why is China going to such great lengths? And I know there was a school of thought out there that said, oh, this was all propaganda. The videos that China was putting out in early 2019 uh, or late 2019, early 2020, that was all propaganda that was designed to trick the West, etc. No, it never was. No, it never was. 100% real. They are terrified of COVID. And I remember when I lived in Shanghai in the mid-2000s, I remember it wasn't too far removed from the SARS outbreaks, and they were terrified of a SARS outbreak. They fought tooth and nail against that, and if there were anyone who was even suspected of having some, something even remotely similar to the SARS outbreak, they were locking you down, they were sending you off. And why, why is this? Well, one reason that I could give up, and I said this on episode one, day one of War Room Pandemic, over two years ago. I have to ask Bannon if he can pull the clip. It's me discussing the mandate of heaven and the theory of dynastic cycles in Chinese history. So what is this? What is this? All right. So the theory of dynastic cycles and the mandate of heaven go hand in hand. So the idea being that every dynasty of China goes through a certain cycle. And the cycle is the dynasty is erected, the dynasty is prosperous, the dynasty is successful, but then the dynasty decays, the dynasty is corrupt, and then at the moment the dynasty becomes corrupted and feeble and incompetent, 
natural disasters are set upon the land. Earthquakes, plagues, famine, pestilence, right? You get the idea. So it, when that happens, when they have these plagues, these pestilence that set upon the land and the regime can't do anything to fix it or stop it, that's when it's a sign. That's when it becomes a sign that the people of the land need to rise up because the regime, the god emperor on the dragon throne, has lost the mandate of heaven. And then it becomes the right of the people to rebel and to erect a new dynasty. And so if you use that, you know, if you use that as a heuristic to understand how the CCP operates, are they just the latest dynasty in a long, long, you know, 5,000 year back history of dynasties of China, if they can't control an outbreak, does that show them as losing the mandate of heaven? And so you can also look, of course, at the practical um, considerations of this, that if they can't control one of these things, if they don't have the abilities to um, set upon the populace like they did after the events of Tiananmen, then, of course, the people are going to rebel. But you've also got a situation now where people in the cities themselves, because these draconian terror lockdowns are so onerous, because people are starving, you actually have food riots going on now within Shanghai and other cities of China. You've got people that are bucking at this, uh, this terror, this straight-up terror that's being feasted upon the people. And people are fighting back, and people are rising up. So we're going to see what happens. Will the CCP back off the terror lockdowns, or will they continue? 26 million people in the city of Shanghai, 193 million people, the victims of the CCP. I just wanted to ask him, Shirley Teeter, she was recently ordered to pay Project Veritas' legal expenses relating from the lawsuit. That. I don't understand. Yeah, she was linked to Democracy Partners, your good friend Bob Kramer. Hillary like, is aware of all the work that you guys do, I hope. The campaign is fully handled. And then they tell Hillary like what's going on. Well, I mean, Hillary knows who Jenny Yeah. You remember Democracy Partners? I don't know Bob Kramer. Well, I just want to ask, will you pay her legal bills? Sure. She's an old woman. She's been ordered to pay her legal bills. I don't know Bob Kramer. You don't know Bob Kramer, really? The future president of the United States who wanted ducks on the ground. So if I got it, we will give ducks on the ground. Don't repeat that statement. I don't know Shirley Teeter. So completely amazing right there, right? You got Secretary Hillary Clinton, the failed 2016 candidate, and she's actually asked about this question. She said, was this person required to pay the legal fees? Did they call for violence? And she's, oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's so crazy. That's so silly. You gotta love Project Veritas for holding her feet to the fire on this. Postmillennial wrote the whole thing up. Shelly Teeter, Shirley Teeter, sued the investigative organization for defamation and loss back in 2019. Then she was ordered... Uh, to pay the legal bills of Project Veritas. She alleged they had defamed her when they claimed she was a plant at a Trump rally in the lead-up to the 2016 election. Teeter denied being a plant and sued. She lost despite having six attorneys on hand to help her. I wonder where she got the legal fees for six attorneys. She then has been ordered to pay Project Veritas's legal fees. The allegation is that the group Democracy Partners had organized the operatives at Trump rallies and that this was done on behalf of the Clinton campaign. Remember, these are part of the dirty tricks all leading up to the dossier. So violence in the streets and violence at the rallies was the first dirty trick. The next dirty trick was the dirty dossier. All of this we know has, been, has come out in court. So this is a court battle 
that came out for the dirty tricks of violence in the streets at the rallies. Then we've got the court battle going on for the Sussman case and the Durham investigation, and they're going through the dossier at this point. Everything that the Clinton campaign was doing in 2016 has found its way into court, and they keep losing after losing after losing. When Project Veritas reporters sought comment from Clinton on Shirley Teeter being ordered to pay the organization's legal costs, Clinton reportedly denied knowing her. Or it's former President Bob Kramer saying, I don't understand. I don't know Bob Kramer. So here's, here's the way it worked. Here's the way it worked, all right? It was this idea of bird dogging, right? So what was bird dogging? They sent these operatives in to remind people, can you believe it's been six years since all this happened? Maybe seven if you count some of the early stuff in 2015. They would send operatives in and then they would deliberately, they would target somebody and they would say, look, that's my mark, all right? I'm gonna target this mark and that looks like someone that I can tease into aggression. And so I go out there and I'm pushing them and I'm pushing them and I'm yelling at them and I'm getting in their face and I'm screaming at them, I'm bird dogging them, right? And then that person lashes out. And so when the cameras start rolling, or you've got, if, you know, if you're smart, you've got another person on the side that's setting up the video, they start filming, but they don't film the part where you were actually the one that was inciting the incident. You only film the person's response to it, and then that goes viral. And I still remember the headlines of this because this is really when the first time Antifa crossed my radar in 2016 at the DNC, the headlines would always say, violence breaks out at Trump rally. Violence breaks out at Trump rally. But you never got the story that the people that were being attacked were Trump supporters and the people that were conducting the attacks was this group called Antifa. There was actually this whole huge thing for years that CNN wouldn't even say the word Antifa, wouldn't even brought up, wouldn't even be something that they would say, they wouldn't even say the word. The mainstream media's greatest, their absolute greatest power is the power of story selection bias and sins of omission. Sins of omission. Because by not telling you about something from their megaphone, from their giant platform, they can actually make it seem as though something doesn't exist. And that's exactly what it was here. And by the way, Secretary Clinton maybe didn't even know about this stuff. She doesn't, maybe she doesn't know the specific names, right? Because this was a massive operation, a huge machine. The DNC, the campaign, they were all working in concert. Yeah, she may not know the names and the details of every person that was working under her the same way she probably just know the names of the sources of the Steele dossier or even know who Christopher Steele is. But she knows these operations because she's the one who paid for them. So I'm going through my phone on Sunday morning and we were out in, in Omaha where we had flown in to do an event um, with the Nebraska Freedom Coalition. And we actually did another event the night before at, uh, in Ogallala, Nebraska, all the way out in Western Nebraska. And I gotta tell you something, Western Nebraska is God's country, ladies and gentlemen, absolute God's country. Then we fly to Omaha the next day because we got an event there, and then finally we make it to DC to do the show for today. So I, I fire up my phone, first thing, Palm Sunday morning, and I'm gonna do, usually my first tweet is something, it's either a Bible verse or I say, wake up, pray up, uh, something like that. And I especially wanted to start tweeting about um, Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, going into the Passion Tide. And I get a message on my phone that says, your account has been locked out due to blah, blah, blah activity. I'm like, what's going on? What happened? Somebody hacked me. 
what's what's happening here? I said, you have a tweet that we don't like. We're very, very upset at your tweet. I said, what was the tweet? Well, it was a t-shirt. It was a t-shirt that said boycott groomers and had a picture of Disney World, the famous Disney logo from the Magic Kingdom, the castle. Everybody knows what that is. And I was suspended for 12 hours in the penalty box, temporary lockout in the penalty box for 12 hours over posting that up. The only other time that I've ever been locked out on Twitter in my life, coming up on 10 years here in May uh, on that accursed platform was over the Hunter Biden laptop. And so I'm sitting there looking at it going, what? And I'm, and I'm reading the discussion and it says, uh, it says, you know, you kind of the harassment of, um, of uh, sexual orientation or gender identity on these things. I didn't know groomer was a gender identity, right? And then I realized what's going on though. So we all know that Disney is very, 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 and this is one of the reasons that I thought that t-shirt in the first instance would probably get banned because Disney is very, very careful about their logos. They're very careful about their images, their trademarks, and they, they employ all sorts of scrub. They're constantly scrubbing the internet, scrubbing YouTube, looking for people that are using their stuff. And so I thought for sure, I'm gonna get hit with something like that. Maybe like copyright infringement, one of those. No, 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 They said it was harassment. And I said, boy, I didn't know groomer was a gender identity, but then I thought about it. Then I thought about it for a second. This last week, this last week, what did we report on? We reported on that forum, that internal Disney forum, where all the people that we saw, not all the people that were in there, but all the people that we reported on, were coming out in support of Governor DeSantis and in support of his anti-grooming bill. And we had post after post after post. We made sure to block out all the names, all the faces. We kept it completely anonymous. Right, but we have the receipts, we can prove where it came from. We reported the truth that you've got people in that company and people in those parks that just wanna work there and they wanna provide a fun family atmosphere for people to go and have a good time at a park and they don't wanna get interested in politics and they certainly don't want to support grooming. So I guess what we have here is a civil war going on within the Disney company. And Walt Disney, would be spinning in his grave. Yes, his grave, the, you know, the icebox thing that was kind of a, you know, that was kind of an urban legend. Because Walt Disney, the man, hated communists. He hated people infiltrating Hollywood. He testified to Congress, go look it up, that communists were infiltrating Hollywood and that they were getting onto his movie sets. Now they've got into his company and now you've got people inside that company that are pushing this stuff that amounts actively to grooming children, and they're opposing DeSantis's law on the grooming of children. So don't worry, Disney. We've got more receipts on you, and they're all coming out. Well, that's all the time we have here, Human Events Daily for today. Remember, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you, be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework for us, share this out with one, just one of your normie friends, and leave us your five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your politics. What did we talk about today? A jury found the militia, Michigan militia not guilty after FBI entrapment. Next, the terror lockdowns in Shanghai as civilians are fighting back against the CCP. We talked about Project Veritas going up and confronting Secretary Clinton over inciting violence at Trump rallies. And finally, we talked about yours truly being temporarily locked out of Twitter after calling Disney a bunch of groomers. And let me just say again for the record, Disney is a bunch of groomers.
But before we go, it's time for today's history break. Today in 1970 was the launch of Apollo 13. One of the most epic movies, one of the most epic stories, one of the most epic moments of America and the American people and what we will do to bring our men home. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.